welcome to day 204 of Shaped by the Word. Uh, we are in our third season together, the story of the prophets, and we've been reading through the prophet Jeremiah. Find ourselves at a very interesting place in chapters 35 and 36. Chapter 35, uh, you'll recall, uh, God has Jeremiah go to the temple and call in uh, the descendants of Rechab, or the Rechabites, and the Rechabites have vowed never to drink wine, never to build houses, never to live in cities, and they have done this for generation after generation after generation because of the word you know, of one of their ancestors. And they're in stark contrast to the people of Israel who have not heard the word of the Lord. And then we come to chapter 36, and you have a, a King Jehoiakim, who is the son of King Josiah. Josiah was uh, one of the leaders in Judah toward the end who deeply respected the word of the Lord and when he heard it tore his clothes and went into the presence of the Lord and instituted for a short time some reforms you know that carried through the city but his son uh, takes everything in the opposite direction and as opposed to the Rechabites he is one who uh, does everything he can to resist the word of the Lord so you see the Rechabites respecting the word of their ancestors and you see Jehoiakim tearing up the scroll of the Lord. So we're going to pick this up. We read the whole thing through uh, for you uh, last Friday. We're going to pick up uh, somewhere in the middle about the last part, you know, verse 15 as we read. Uh, But before we read, as always, we do uh, realize what a wonderful gift we have in God's Word. Uh, We not only have um, print on a page, but we have the very breath of God breathed out to us and the very breath of the Spirit breathes His Word into us. It is the heartbeat of God captured in Scripture through His words that powerfully works in us to transform us into the image of Christ. We always offer ourselves in the moment to the Lord knowing that uh, His Word, as Isaiah said, will not return to Him empty but always accomplish its purposes. And that's our desire. Uh, that his word would accomplish its purpose in, in our hearts and lives. Mm-hmm. So, Katie, you mind lifting us up? By the way, I'm Paul here with Katie. <laughs> Katie's about to lift us up in a word of prayer. There's David here also, and Katie's friend Matt is here as well. <laughs> All right, well, let's pray together. Father, um, as I sit here and just reflect on um, this passage and what Paul just said, I'm just reminded Um, of how you have preserved your word for us. Um, You have have made a way for us to have these words um, so that we can be reminded of of the God that you are. You are a God who has chosen to reveal your heart and your character to us, and you have made a way for us to be reminded of these things Um, And your spirit does faithfully um, interpret these words for us, God, and help us and guide us um, as we we go. So, Father, would you do that today? Would you just help us to pause and help us to be still so that we can be transformed by by your word and your spirit? We pray all these things in Christ's name. Amen. And so Jeremiah has been forbidden, you know, to go into the temple. So he has he, his friend and, and a scribe write down the words that the Lord has spoken to him on a scroll and to go to the temple on a time of fast and to read it aloud for all the people to hear with the hope, uh, you know, back in verse 3, that they would hear these words, repent, and uh, return to the Lord. The time is getting late. Uh, the 
uh, troops of Babylon are gathering in the northern, you know, the northern reaches of the kingdom. Uh, but there's still the chance to repent. Uh, as Baruch reads it to him, they're alarmed at the words because these are words that uh, prophesy the destruction of Jerusalem, destruction of the temple, and uh, of course the exile of the people. So let's pick up, you know, awkwardly in the middle, uh, <laughs> somewhere around the last sentence of verse 15. So Rebuch, um, Baruch read it to them. When they heard all these words, they looked at each other in fear and said to Baruch, we must report all these words to the king. Then they asked Baruch, tell us, how did you come to write all this? Did Jeremiah dictate it? Yes, Baruch replied, he dictated all these words to me and I wrote them in ink on the scroll. Then the official said to Baruch, you and Jeremiah go and hide yourself Do not let anyone know where you are. After they, um, after they put the scroll in the room, El Shammai, the secretary, uh, they went to the king in the courtyard and reported everything to him. The king sent Jehuda to get the scroll, and Jehuda brought it from the uh, room of El Shammai, the secretary, and read it to the king and all the officials standing beside him. It was the ninth month, and the king was sitting in the winter apartment with a fire burning in the fire pot in front of him. Whenever Jehuda had read three or four columns of the scroll, the king cut them off with a scribe's knife and threw them into the fire pot until the entire scroll was burned in the fire. The king and all of his attendants who heard all these words showed no fear, nor did they tear their clothes. Even though Nathan, Deliah, and Jeremiah urged the king not to burn the scroll, he would not listen to them. Instead, the king commanded Jeremiah, son of the king, Sariah, son of Azrael, Shalomiah, son of Abdiel, to arrest Baruch the scribe and Jeremiah the prophet, but the Lord had hidden them. After the king burned the scroll containing the words that Baruch had written at Jeremiah's dictation, the word of the Lord came to Jeremiah, take another scroll and write on it all the words that were on the first scroll, which Jehoiakim, king of Judah, burned up. Then tell Jehoiakim, king of Judah, this is what the Lord says. You burned that scroll and said, why did you write on it? The king of Babylon would certainly come and destroy this land and wipe from it both men and beasts. Therefore, this is what the Lord says about Jehoiakim, king of Judah. He will have no one to sit on the throne of David. His body will be thrown out and exposed to heat by day and frost by night. I'll punish him and his children and his attendants for their wickedness. I'll bring on them and those living in Jerusalem and the people of Judah every disaster I pronounce against them because they have not listened. So Jeremiah took another scroll and gave it to the scribe Baruch, son of Neriah, and Jeremiah dictated. Baruch wrote on it all the words of the scroll that Jehoiakim, king of Judah, had burned in the fire, and many similar words were added to them. You have to like uh, you have to like that final line. Not only did this contain everything that he hated and everything that he tried to destroy, uh, but uh, the Lord is speaking even more forcefully to him. But he, like the rest of Israel, is not listening. This is one of the most defiant acts you know, of rejecting God's word that you find in Scripture. He, he's having you know, Jehuda read it, and he's cutting off columns while Jehuda is reading. You have to wonder how many times that knife came really close to Jehuda's hand as he's kind of <laughs> nervously unrolling the scroll and going through it, and he'll read a column, and then the king will cut it off and throw it in the fire. He didn't just you know, throw the entire scroll in the fire. He, he just listens to it word by word, then rejects it word by word until the entire you know, scroll is gone. Hmm. It makes me think as we listen to this, and, and we talked about this some when we read it last time. Just that contempt for God's word—that you know, our, what is our posture towards God's word? God's word when we hear it—is it one of repentance? You know, is it one of faith? Is it one of, of 
uh, humility or is it one of arrogance where we stand over God's word and have the right to reserve right. for ourselves whether it's true or not? Mm-hmm. You know, and so you have the king here who, who should have been the king, you know, that, that sat underneath God's word in humility, repenting, you know, in, in line with, with David instead. He's going to lose the, the blessings of the covenant that come from, you know, the covenant mm-hmm. with David because he stands over God's word in arrogance and contempt. Now, yeah, you see that in verse 24 when we're told, you know, the king and all his attendants who heard all these words showed no fear, uh, nor did they tear their clothes. And then even just a little bit earlier, you know, when they read the words, you know, they're like, you're going to need to go and hide. Like, yeah, these are powerful. And yet we see that kind of contrast as... Mm-hmm. You know, we look at the word and yeah, for sure. Sometimes it can be confusing or you even read parts of the word and you're like, I don't like this. And, and yeah, why we might not be, and we talked about a little bit last time, but actually removing parts of the Bible in a sense, we do kind of remove parts of the Bible at mm-hmm. time when we Ignore read them. it <laughs> and say, mm, maybe someone else, not me. And, and, and there's some, you know, there were, uh, there's some sections of scripture that were kind of culturally, you know, trying to overlook. We've been reading it, you know, through the lens of our culture for so long, we don't hear it in all of its forcefulness. And, and so there's several places in Scripture, you know, that I'm seeing now that I didn't see, you know, 10 years ago or 20 years ago that I was able to read by without hearing, you know, the impact, you know, the impact of the Word. And, and part of, you know, what you know God's Word does, Paul tells us, you know, it's a, it's, it's, you know, God's very breath. It's breathed out and it's useful for teaching, rebuking, you know, correcting and training in righteousness. And a lot of what it does is uncomfortable. It confronts mm-hmm. us with who we are only so it can conform us into the image of God, you know, for our ultimate joy. But a, a lot of times, you know, it does, it does inflict, you know, pain when we initially, you know, see ourselves, you know, as mm-hmm. James would say, look in the mirror and see ourselves. And, um, Probably one of the best marks, you know, as Matt was alluding to, of of those who really love the uh, love love the Lord and love His Word as well. What Isaiah said that you you tremble at His Word, mm-hmm. you see it and you let it penetrate it and let it do its work, even when it is uncomfortable. Well, yeah, and I think we sometimes we read passages that are uncomfortable and make us feel uncomfortable about God, maybe, and we think that it's what's best in that moment is to just kind of ignore it or just keep reading past it when really the best thing we could do is trust in who God is and seek out, seek out what that means. Wrestle with this passage, wrestle with this idea that is being presented and do some research on it, ask questions about it so that we can get to kind of the heart of it. And then it's no longer a big question mark that we just have to ignore because I feel like once we have so many question marks about God's word, we, we start doubting the God that it's, that it's about. (laughs) And, um, so, you know, for me and just my encouragement to anyone listening is just, when there are question marks that we come across in God's word, like let's, you know, let's seek it out and ask questions about it. Um, I thought it was interesting to, to think about this isn't this, this isn't the first time that someone's had to rewrite God's words or that God has had to <laughs> rewrite. Like I'm just thinking of the 10 commandments that were destroyed because Moses threw them down um, when he came and see, and he saw the the sin of the people and it just made me think about like God and what I, what I said in my prayer, just God has preserved his word for us. He will make a way 
And um, we don't have, like, I don't know. I just think it's so cool that he has preserved um, his words because it is important for us to hear and generations to hear. Of course, you know, the words on the stone tablets were the word of the covenant, which were already been broken, you know, by the time uh, the words that uh, God had spoken on the mountain uh, were put on tablets of stone to be uh, laid before the people as the two tables of the covenant, they had already broken them. And mm-hmm. it's a very symbolic act. Here is, you know, here, this instance is ignoring, you know, the covenant altogether. Mm-hmm. So it, it's been ages of breaking, you know, breaking the covenant. I, uh, you know, I, I agree with what you said about, you know, the things we struggle with in the word, but I'm also reminded of, you know, Mark Twain's, you know, glib evaluation, you know, of Scripture. He said, it's not the parts of Scripture I don't understand that bothers me. It's the part of Scripture I do that's understand. True. That's true. And, and that's the case here. You know, it's, it's not that the word is unclear. It's just the word is all too clear. And it's not what they want it to be. Mm-hmm. And, that, you know, they are rejecting, you know, God's word. David, why don't you uh, close us with a word of prayer? Yeah, let's pray. Father, we do thank you for um, the endless riches that your word provide. We do thank you that it's been preserved and carried from generation to generation so that we could have it, read it, and not as we see here, reject it, but that we would actually receive it and that it would shape us, um, the way we think, um, the way we live, um, the way we think of you. And so may your word do a deep work in our lives. May we be people of your word. And in that, may you be glorified. May we be built up through your word. And in that, find much joy. We pray this all in your name. Amen. Amen.